How you doing, everyone? I am Russ Salzberg along with Lance Meadow, and welcome to Big Blue Kickoff here on Giants.com. The number, as always, nothing changes, nine, uh, what I said, no, as always, 201-939-4513, the number for you to call. We are here from 1.30 to 2.30. Before we get going, it is a reminder for you that the Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by... Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the season. And when I say let's get it on, let's get it on. You know, everything was make-believe or what I like to say in the past. Now we play for keeps. Absolutely. Yeah, this is the real stuff and it's amazing, Russ, after we've gone through such a lengthy off-season process. You had the preseason, the OTAs, minicamp. Now we're actually getting ready to talk about a meaningful game, which I think a lot of people out there are excited, and it's going to be a real tough matchup for the Giants here in Week 1, going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a playoff team last year, a team that really brings the nucleus of its squad back, and arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL. So, you know, we're going to get a great idea, I think, Russ, about how impressive this offense is for the Giants starting week one, and then in the first few weeks, given the fact that they're going up against some tough defenses. Yeah, and I would say this, Lance, and I'm sure a lot of the people who are going to be calling in and in our viewers uh, at home, when the team, when you finished last season at 3-13, and 13, nobody knew what to expect going into this season. Uh, and you kind of don't look at a 3-13 and 13 from one season going to be a playoff team the following season. Having said that, you can get the feeling within the locker room, amongst the coaches, amongst the brass, in this building, if you went from 3-13 and 13 to 8-8, eight and eight, people might say, well, that's, that's a fine improvement from a lousy season. I don't think to the mindset in this building that's acceptable. I think these people really believe this team is a playoff team. Well, I think based on the moves they made, I completely agree with you. And then you look at the draft and Saquon Barkley, the high expectations. But I think what a lot of people need to understand, Russ, is there's a great deal of parity in the National Football League. And the reason I bring that up is how often have we seen teams win three games one year, win 10 the next year? Quick turnarounds is not very challenging. And the reason being is because rosters are so fluid. They change year to year, unlike any other professional sport, I would argue. So is it feasible for the Giants to think that they could contend and make the playoffs? Yes, it's absolutely. I mean, this division, just think about this, Russ. The Eagles are the last team to win back-to-back -back NFC East titles. You know how long that's been? Early 2000s. They won four in a row. Since then... It's been a game of musical chairs. So while Philly, to me, is, I think, the most balanced team on paper, if you're the Giants, if you're the Cowboys, and you're the Redskins, given the fact that there's been so much turnover in this division over the last decade or so, yeah, I mean, you feel good because all it takes is an injury here or there. Philadelphia's going to start Nick Foles week one. Carson Wentz is not ready to go. I think it's a toss-up at this point. You, you know, when you mention th this division, let's be, people not forget. I don't want. I'm not giving a history lesson here, but people know the last two Super Bowls won by the Giants. They weren't division winners. They were wild cards. Correct, and they just got in at the tail right. end. Let's right. not forget about that too. You know, so it, it, it's a situation. What I looked at this season two years ago, the Giants went out and got themselves. They went big on the uh, defensive side in the free agent market. Uh, Olivier Vernon, Snacks Harrison, and um, Jack Rabbit, Janoris Jenkins. And they hit the jackpot with all three. All three were tremendous leaders on the field, off the field. They, they were very important. And subsequently, the team, it, 
resulted in an 11 and five season, 11 and six if you count the playoffs. Okay, this year, the Giants went big free agency and let. That, I think they're hoping hoping for lightning to strike twice or catch lightning in a bottle, if you will, on the offensive line because Sa- Saquon Barkley is it's all sexy. I w- listen, love the guy, number two pick. I think he's dynamic. I agreed with him. I, I, that's the choice that I wanted, Barkley. Odell Beckham is healthy. All that is good stuff. But basically, Gettleman and Sherman have stated it's going to depend upon what happens in the trenches. Uh, the offensive line has to be the key factor for the success of this team. Without a doubt. I mean, that's been a huge storyline over the last few seasons. I think if you take away anything from the preseason, Russ, you could say pass protection, I think, has improved. The run blocking is somewhat of a work in progress. I think that's an area where they want to continue to show progression. And, you know, part of that is, remember, Saquon Barkley only played one game in the preseason. So I don't know how much substance you can put in those rushing numbers. I think we really got to see a few games early in the season to see what type of team this is going to be in the trenches. But if you look at last year's 53-man roster in 2017, the initial 53, and then you look at the 2018 initial 53, just to show you how much the personnel has changed, Russ, Eric Flowers and Chad Wheeler are the only two remaining offensive linemen yeah. from that group. That's it. And, and Eric, amount of Eric is on the other side. Correct. So, I mean, if you even want to throw he, that he's in. He's almost new. Exactly. And, 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 so, well, he is. Oh, he's new to that position. Well, That's because he's sure. adopting to a new position. There's no doubt about that. So, Chad Wheeler really is the only then player that is staying at least within his spot. So a tremendous amount of turnover just from guys that are written on paper here right now. All right. And before we open up the phone lines, we know you guys are anxious. 201-939-4513. We have callers waiting. Uh, We're not going to ignore it. I've never seen such an uproar over a backup, a potential backup quarterback (laughs) being released. And and folks, full disclosure, I love... Uh, Davis Webb. I think he's a great kid. He's a gentleman. I love dealing with him. I was rooting my tail off for him to be the guy. And quite frankly, you could have knocked me over with a feather when I found out that he was being released. Having I would have s- paid to see that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. not me, me being knocked over. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. I a feather knocking you <laughs> no, over. A feather knocking That's something. Yeah. No, but 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 really, when when you think about it, listen. Because you love somebody or and you're rooting for somebody, if if he gets or she gets released, okay, in any sport, that's the nature of the professional sports business. Um, people were saying the heir apparent. Well, he was not the heir apparent. What he was or Kyle Loletta is or Alex Tanny is, is the backup. That's what it is. It's not the heir apparent. Heir apparent means Who's going to take over when Eli Manning is no longer here? That Nothing like that was etched in stone. It just isn't the case. And, you know, for, from my standpoint, the mindset of Gettleman and Shermer, you, you know, re- reading what the media was saying, like, oh, my God, give me a break. I mean, because all the people, all the people a year ago who basically were saying Eli should be traded, we got to do this and that, then the minute Eli... Um, was benched, then everybody defended Eli, and now the same kind of business with um, Davis Webb. Again, sorry to see Davis Webb go. Apparently now he's on the practice squad of the New York Jets. Uh, God bless him. Wish him all the best. But it was for a backup position. And to me, 
and you might disagree with this, Lance, when, when I think back upon what was, has gone on, I think for Davis Webb, the mindset for Gettleman and Shermer was, it was his position to lose. I think they inherited him. They wanted to see how good he was or what he could do. They gave him all the opportunity with the second team reps. I'm sorry it didn't work out for him because I wanted him to be the guy. That's not knocking the other guys. But, but they didn't see enough that they liked. So that was the final decision. Well, a few things, Russ. To your point, Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer had no ties to Davis Webb. Right. People have to understand when a new regime comes in, anything that happened previously, they're going to bring new opinions to the table, Russ. They're going to have different evaluations. So, And if it's not just Davis Webb to sell that point. They chose not to sign Weston Richburg or Justin Pugh, all previous draft picks. So Dave Gettleman has parted ways with a lot of players who were drafted through Jerry Reese in the previous regime. So that's point number one. Point number two, when Ryan Nassib was drafted, Russ, if you recall, we went through these same conversations. A hundred percent. You know what? I went to look it up the, the other day. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was the same exact thing. People, the minute he was drafted, they traded up to get him in the fourth round. Is this going to be the successor? How much longer is Eli Manning going to be under center? Davis Webb was drafted. The conversation started. We don't know the timetable for Eli Manning. So anybody who wants to crown somebody a successor is, I think, jumping the gun. It's extremely premature. Another example that I give you in relation to this, Russ, Teddy Bridgewater was traded the other week from the Jets to the Saints. The headlines immediately were, Teddy Bridgewater's successor to Drew Brees. Drew Brees may play five more years, Russ. Teddy's under contract for one more year. Right. So the point is, we're a long way from declaring anyone the successor. I think right now the Giants, to your point, evaluated the three quarterbacks. Pat Shermer, when he spoke to the media yesterday, made it very clear that they looked at everything. They looked at practice. They looked at film room. You can't just look at a player in the preseason and assume that's the only thing that they're taking into consideration. Jonathan Stewart's numbers didn't jump off the page in the preseason. If people went by the preseason, they probably would have said, well, what he's doing on the team. Well, there's right. a lot more that went into that signing. The locker room leadership. It's the whole package. His philosophy. Exactly. So it was the same thing with respect to Davis Webb up against Alex Tanney and Kyle Oletta. But nobody is in position to declare anybody Eli Manning's successor. Let's see how many more years Eli Manning plays. And also, who's to say that they don't make other changes? They look at other things. They make a trade. The successor may not even be on the roster right now. Talk about making changes. You see what's going on in this building today? There were like 20 guys trying out. I mean, they're always looking at personnel. That's what you do. That You do your due diligence. The, the, the Gettleman-Shermer uh, regime is not standing pat. No pun intended. They came here to look at a situation. Just like, hey, they had to ascertain that we want Eli to be the guy. That's what you do. You know, I mean, it's business, and uh, now it's on to the business of uh, starting your season this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 201-939-4513 is the number. On Twitter, it's hashtag GiantsChat. Let's go to Tinton Falls right now and speak with Dirt. Is it Dirt or Dirk? Yep. Dirt. What's up, Dirt? How we doing, Dirt? Hey, Russ. Hey, Lance. How you doing this afternoon? Doing all right. What how you, you doing? First? Okay, um, I got a question regarding the roster and special teams. Um, I asked the same question a year ago when uh, John and Jeff were on, and they were stumped. So hopefully you guys will have an answer for me. Um, game one, Diazzi goes down with an injury. Who's the long snapper? 
You know, this is not the first time we've been asked this. I feel like we've been discussing it all offseason as well. It, it's a fair question in terms of who would be the long snapper. What they normally do is you normally have an offensive lineman that is prepared to handle that, such as a center or somebody that usually is snapping the ball to begin with. So, you know, that's normally somebody that prepares themselves to come in. And, and also, you know, I don't know off the top of my head if they're preparing maybe another linebacker who is a reserve to sort of follow the lead of Zach Diossi. But more often than not, it's an offensive lineman who has previous snapping experience. Actually, you know, I don't have his name right in front of me. On one of the new signings that they of the six guys, were released six guys signed, one was the center. I forget which yeah, one. Yeah, Spencer Pulley. Yeah. Which, which would be a candidate. He played center. John Greco has played center yeah. and guard. There's a number of guys that have been under the football and have snapping experience. So that would be my first reaction as to a player that would come in if, obviously, Zach Diossi was banged up. Thanks, thanks for the call, Dirt. Appreciate it. I'm, I, I, not, that's not, boy, you start the season. Your biggest concern is what happens if you well, want a snapper. you start the down. season, you start to analyze the 53. <laughs> so they want to know what the depth chart looks like. And keep this in mind. When Diossi got hurt, what was it, two seasons ago? they wound up making a maneuver and they brought in somebody else. Right. So, you know, you have an opportunity to bring in somebody who has long snapping experience, but he was referring to more if it happened in the midst of a game. Right. Once again, I think an offensive lineman would be the first one up. All right. Stas in Washington. Is that Washington, D.C. or out west? Out west, good sir, out west. Hey, Stas, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So first, uh, just a couple of quick hitters, but um, – First, I hear uh, Mr. Gettleman is doing a lot better, and God bless him, and I and I hope his continued health. Um, but I gotta say, I love how this man operates. I love his decisiveness. I love how I feel he's worked harder at ensuring we have the best players on the team than I've seen Jerry Reese do in the past. And and I speak as a Reese fan, right? I'm not. I was never a Reese hater. But the one thing I have to say that I look at right now that I didn't see before is. The amount of uses that we, we use, it seems like the Giants have just used every opportunity. It's the draft, supplemental draft, waivers, uh, uh, trades, uh, trade, high draft trades even. Like, I, I haven't seen us that. Well, sorry, Stats. Looks like we lost you, but listen up. Look. No, no, I'm here. Oh, I'm you're here. there. Okay, buddy. Yeah, I, what I was saying was I haven't seen us work so hard at shuffling up the roster to ensure we have, like, the, the best we could possibly have in a long time. And I really appreciate well, his hard work. Considering what he's going through health-wise, it's even more appreciative that he's working that hard for this team still. Well, well secondly, go ahead. But, uh, secondly, I kind of – I think I kind of – I, I kind of saw the Davis Webb thing happening. I'm not going to lie. Two things for me gave it away. When Pat Shermer, at the beginning of the draft, uh, they asked him about the qualities he looks at for um, um, quarterback, and arm strength was the last thing he looked at, is what he said. He was like, he looks for calm and poise more than anything than, uh, than arm strength. And when every description of Kyle Aletta was that. Well, well you, know, you know, Stas, you, your line's breaking up, so we'll end. When the, the, th thank you for the call. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. That sounded like uh, you were in a washing machine or something. But, uh, uh, you know, first, in, in the point of Gettleman and what he's done, you were coming off a 3-13 and 13 season, okay? When you're coming off a 3-13 and 13 season and you are hired as the new general manager, go fix it. 
you, you can't stand Pat. So he had to do a lot of shuffling and reshuffling and dealing and wheeling and dealing and all that. And he's done that. And, and listen, I don't want to go backwards, but let's not make Jerry Reese out to be a bum. There were not one that there were two, um, two Super Bowls. Two of, the, two of the four in that case were under his uh, watch. So let's not make everything he did out as to be a bum, okay? But Gettleman came in. A couple of things here. First of all, they did have the benefit, and, and I am the hugest Gettleman fan. They did have the benefit of they were drafting high. You know, they didn't just draft a number two pick. Because of where they ended up, they were able to do the second round pick, the third round pick. They were in a good draft position. Now, listen, I love the Barclays. I, I, I love all their picks. You know who I'm in love with? Talk about you, you shouldn't fall in love with anybody. As much as I like Barkley, Will Hernandez is a man's man. He's I, a presence. I, I mean, he is a presence. He has the way he plays, the way he conducts himself. He and he, he also has the maturity of a 10 year veteran. I mean, if he's not a success, a, a big time success in this league, I think that is going to be a major upset. I mean, I just can't see him falling on his way. Well, he's a polished player. I think we've he, seen he, that. Yeah, he really is. Through the course of camp, there's no doubt about it. That's why he was so attractive coming out of UTEP. In terms of the last caller's point, I agree with you, Russ. You got to take into consideration when you're three and thirteen. You know, all bets are off. Yeah, you're going to do everything you can to revamp the roster, but also let's not make it sound as if claiming guys off waivers and making changes is anything new to this organization as well sure. as any other team. That's how you make tweaks on your roster. Plus, the Giants not only did they have high draft pick position, Russ, but they also had the number two waiver claim because waivers yeah, through the first three weeks of the season go into the draft order. So if you have a high waiver position, you're probably going to be in a position to grab a lot of guys that you find attractive, unlike previous seasons where you're maybe more in the middle of the pack or the bottom of the barrel. That, I think, also enabled them to be a little bit more aggressive with respect to claiming guys. Without question. Like, a lot of people just look at, you know, they finished 3-13, and 13, so they, they were able to pick second in the draft and get Saquon Barkley, which they did. But it's not just Barkley. It's, as you just said, supplemental. It's everything. So, you know, now it's when you're going to look back at this draft a, a year from now or two years from now, you're going to look at the whole package and see, did these guys pan out? Did they not pan out? Let's go to Rhode Island, speak with Matt. Matt, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, guys. How are you? Good. All right, Matt. What do you got for us? One quick thing I want to say. Uh, everybody knows Paul was high on Davis Webb, but the amount of crap I see the guy getting on Twitter over it, is amazing. I you couldn't. Know, ag- I couldn't agree with you, like, Matt. Leave the guy alone, my God. Matt, I couldn't like, he's agree. The first with, I, guy to be wrong about something in football, <laughs> Jesus. Matt, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think it was absolutely absurd. It's, it's like they they act like he's the GM, Jesus. <laughs> no, you, um, you happen to be right. Anything else? Yeah, uh, um, yeah, and I'm going to the game Sunday, and I just want to say to the fans out there: too often I'm at the games. And third down, and people yelling down in front. If you're old and you don't want to stand up, don't come to this game. It's a huge year for this franchise. They made a, a lot of big decisions on the direction of this team by not going the quarterback route, sticking with Eli. And you know we need to be there to back them up. Let's make some noise on Sunday. All right, Matt. Right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Don't. Uh, what, what, what was that about standing up? And if you're old, well, he. I guess he doesn't like when people are in his vicinity. 
and he may be standing up and they want to sit and watch the game, so therefore you tell them to sit down. That's what I think he was uh, touching on. So, uh, Okay, let's let's uh, go down to Florida now and speak with Aiden. Aiden, you're on with Russ and Lance. How you doing, buddy? Hi, how are you? Good. So my question was, how are the carries going to rotate between Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Stewart, Wayne Gallman, and Robert Martin? Well, I, I would say this. It starts with Barkley, and uh, the crumbs go to everybody else. <laughs> and I don't mean that to be in, in, insulting. I think, listen, Barkley's your number two pick, okay? Barkley's being paid a lot of money. Uh, Barkley's the guy. I, I mean, he's the sexy guy. When I say the sexy guy, he's going to make things happen. Everybody knows it. I do think Gallman is very important, and I think you got to see a little more of Gallman simply because in the preseason, uh, be, because of the, the hammy issue with, um, with Barkley. But, I mean, I think it's Barkley, Gallman, and then you see what else, what you got there. Well, I, I don't know about the number breakdown. I, I think Barkley obviously is going to do the heavy lifting. I could see him getting Russ about 20 touches a game, 15 carries, five receptions. Wayne Gallman could be more of a change of pace type of running back and Jonathan Stewart you know it'll be very interesting to see how they utilize that, him whether it be a red zone guy who is going to be used to punch it in when they get deep down into that area of the field or perhaps they utilize him in short yardage situations when they're trying to pick up a yard or two that I think remains to be seen but I don't think it's going to be an even share they brought in Barkley they drafted him high for a reason uh, uh, he's going to get the bulk of the carries yeah a Aiden uh thank you for the call by the way I, I think the situation with um you brought out an interesting point, and I've thought about this. I think Jonathan Stewart was brought in for a couple of reasons. I, th I think what you just said, maybe short yardage situation, stuff like that. I also think he was brought in for a guy in the locker room, uh, not to be a babysitter, but for some leadership qualities and, and, and mentorship, if you will. You know, he's got Barkley who's a rookie. He's got Gallman, who's, who's a second-year guy. I mean, let's, let's think about this for a second. If you got third and one, you're at the goal line. Well, third and one at the five, you need a first down. You want Stewart getting a ball or you want Barkley getting a ball? To me, you want Barkley getting a ball. I mean, it, it, that's, that's the way I'm thinking. But it remains to be seen. But Barkley is obviously the featured guy. What I want to see, to me, what I really want to see from Barkley I want to see how many passes he's going to catch coming out of the backfield or on short screens. I ne I've never felt that they did that enough with any of their running backs. You know who I used to want to see get that more? Was Brandon Jacobs. Like with a full head of steam, Brandon Jacobs yeah. catching a pass, you know, in the, in the flat and taking it, you know, and, and, you know, then it's full steam ahead. Well, you had Ahmad Bradshaw, remember, Russ, right. who was also an effective receiver. I remember, speaking of Brandon Jacobs, I believe it was the Cowboys game when Jacobs was on the team, and they actually threw it to him, to your point, out in the flat, and then he wound up running it all the way in for a touchdown. So he certainly had that ability to get out in the open field and receive the ball. How they use Shane Smith could very well impact. Well, that's a, that's a very other good point. In the Shane backfield Smith, as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, they've got that fullback back there. So, uh, um, but, you know, Barkley's the guy. I mean, there's no offensive buts about that. You don't draft a guy that high and then all of a sudden preserve him. Now, you brought up his potential receptions, Russ. I think the other thing to keep in mind is whether or not you should keep expectations in check compared to what other rookie running backs have done in the past. And the reason I bring that up, 
Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, two dynamic running backs from last season. McCaffrey with the Panthers, Kamara with the Saints. Both of them had 80 receptions, which to me is mind-boggling. I personally would be stunned if Barkley gets 80 receptions. Not that he's not capable of doing that, Russ. It's just the fact that if you look at who McCaffrey had around him, you look at who Kamara had around him, and now you look at what Barkley has around him with Beckham, with Shepard, with Ingram, all of these other weapons, I just don't think there's enough targets for him to see 80 receptions. Yeah, I I agree with that. Also, the other point... I mean, you, you know, the hip bone's connected to the shin bone and the shin bone, the leg bone. And you know, you know what I'm talking about. The situation with, with you know, Barkley, you, if you got a good run game, it makes your receiving game better and vice versa. And all of a sudden, besides having such a dynamic receiving core, now you have this dynamic running back. I want to see how that translates. We have not seen Barkley and Odell Beckham on the field Correct. together. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, you know, even on that first carry for Barkley uh, in, in his preseason opener against the Browns, you know, Odell wasn't there. So you're going to see them on the field the same time for the first time. I mean, that's a big deal. Well, and it'll be interesting to see how defenses react to that because that's yeah. going to dictate what the Giants offense could do, Russ, at the end of the day. When you have two dynamic players on the field at the same time, what will Jacksonville do if we're to actually look at the week one matchup? And you know, the Jaguars, to me, have an extremely effective secondary. You talk about Jalen Ramsey, who is arguably one of the best corners in the league. A.J. Boye, who's playing opposite him, who is just as fantastic. And then their linebackers, I mean, they've got guys that could go sideline to sideline. Miles Jack, for example, you know, is one of their best linebackers. Do they match him up with Saquon Barkley? Do they use a corner? Yeah, that's going to dictate where Eli Manning is going to go with the football. Speaking of Jalen Ramsey, he, he doesn't love himself enough, does he? I don't know about that. Did you read the GQ article, Russ? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Was that part of your uh, morning <laughs> breakfast routine oh when that came God. out? Oh he certainly God. doesn't hold back. He's extremely opinionated. I will say this. I mean, I'm personally looking forward to the Ramsey-Beckham matchup. Yeah, I am, because too. Because you're talking about two of the best at their respective positions. But Ramsey... You know, and this goes back to perception versus reality, which Beckham is thrown into the fire with respect to this a lot, Russ, and that's why I bring it up. If you talk a lot and you back it up, it's two different things versus when you talk a lot and you don't do much of anything. Ramsey talks a lot, but in fairness, the guy backs it up. Hey, as Muhammad Ali said, it ain't bragging if you can back it up. There you go. That's exactly what it is, so we shall see. Show's incomplete unless we get a boxing reference here. So. Let's go uh, to uh, Christian uh, someplace in New York. Am I right, Christian? <laughs> Undisclosed location. How are we doing, Christian? Hey, guys. Hey. Well, it's upstate New York. Upstate New York. Where, where upstate? Um, in, uh, close to Albany. Okay. So safe to say that I'm missing training camp up here. Um, I was Understandable. I call about the offense but Matt got me more in a Sunday mood. So I hope that they are looking at the AFC championship game because that Jaguars team fell apart when in the second half when they totally committed to stopping Leonard Fournette. And really, that's what this game is. If you stop Leonard Fournette, you make Bortles throw the ball close to 30 times, and we got this one in the bag. Well... I don't like ever saying you got this one in the bag. That that was a pretty good to, – to me, you're right. I, 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 they should have won that game. But nothing's in the bag, okay? If, if you start thinking you, you got your opponent in the bag, you're going to end up in a body bag for yourself. <laughs> 
Well, but here's the thing, Christian. You could tell me any opponent that you go up against. The whole purpose is to stop the run so that you make the offense one-dimensional and you want the quarterback to throw the football. Even if Drew Brees was put in a position where he had to throw the ball 50 times, there's going to be the likelihood of turnovers increasing and you're going to put the Saints in a precarious spot. So I don't think that game plan is unique just because Blake Bortles is the quarterback. Blake Bortles also put up respectable numbers last season. He had 21 touchdowns and 13 interceptions, which was pretty impressive considering what he put up in previous years. They finally had some continuity with respect to their offensive scheme and the offensive coordinator staying put for one year after another. And the other thing is, you know, this receiving core, which I've talked a lot about on this program, I think is an extremely underrated group. And if Bortles puts it where those guys can make plays, I think Jacksonville is dangerous. This is the easy team, Russ, to look at on paper. You see Blake Bortles' name and you say, eh, you know, this is not Drew Brees. This is not Cam. This is not Matt Ryan. And you got to be careful with teams like that because Jacksonville dictates the tone of contest with its defense and can change field position with its defense. So actually, as opposed to the Giants' defense, I think this game is more about the Giants' offense and what the Giants' offense can do to change field position and put the stress on Jacksonville's defense. That, I think, is going to be the difference maker on Sunday. Christian, thank you uh, very much for the call. I've just been corrected by our fearless leader, Don Sperling. For some reason, I drew, I'm drawing a blank here. We won the division in 2011 in the Super Bowl season? 2011 was the year that it came down to the wire with the Cowboys, and they won here in New Jersey. Well, that's, that's right. Nine and seven. The Giants were seven and seven. They won the final two games against the Jets and the Cowboys. That, that I stand corrected. I, I said it was the wire card. Okay, Chris, where is this? Alamucci? <laughs> yeah, yeah, hey, Russ, hey, Lance. Yeah, Alamo, How are we doing? Uh, Hackettstown, you might have heard of Shades of Death Road. That's uh, uh, okay. one of the Jersey, New Jersey thing up in Northwest Jersey. Yes. Indeed. Go ahead, Chris. You got it. So, um, looking at the waiver wire, you know, they made some, you know, the six acquisitions. I, I identified two of the players, Mario Edwards and, and Clay, the punt returner, as the po- possible being active for, for Sunday. Uh, do you guys agree with that, and do you see anybody else? Uh, any of those other waiver waiver uh, claims to be uh, on the 46? Well, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen practice yet, okay? Um, so, to me, it just has to be a wait and see. But obviously, they're looking at those guys. Well, and the other thing you got to keep it, take into consideration, Chris, you're bringing in six guys in the blink of an eye, and you're expecting them to learn a scheme that everybody else on the roster has had an entire offseason to digest. So, I mean, to make claims that anybody is a lock to be active, I think is getting a little too far ahead of ourselves. Mario Edwards Jr., who you referred to, former second-round pick of the Raiders, you know, defensive lineman, it really depends on how quickly he adjusts to James Betcher's scheme. I think Kalen Clay would probably be at the top of my list that would most likely be active compared to the rest. And the reason being is if they don't envision him doing much running of routes as a receiver, then I don't think it's asking him too much to come in, return as a punt guy, as a kickoff guy. And he also has familiarity with the Giants special teams coach because he was signed by Dave Gettleman last April before Dave Gettleman parted ways with the Panthers. So this is somebody that has a connection to Mike Shula, as well as special teams play, when you take that into consideration, I don't think it would be asking him for too much to come in, return the ball, also knowing that he replaced Hunter Sharp, who was the main return man throughout the course of the preseason. Yeah, no, I agree. The only reason why I was thinking Edwards just to uh, possibly spot a little bit is just because with Morrow being on the uh, 
being on the suspended list right now, they are going to be a little thin on that line, especially in the, in the middle. Well, I think that's they, a uh, fair point. But remember, they knew Josh Morrow was going to be suspended for the first four games. So when they constructed the 53-man roster, they knew, hey, we're going to be down a defensive lineman. We got to make sure that we maybe keep an extra guy. And but, I think they'll have enough of a rotation even if he's inactive. But, but, yeah. but, but, you know what it was but, also with Robert Thomas being let go? That was a little bit of a shocker. I think a lot of Giants fans envisioned him of being in that, uh, you know, being one of the 53. But I, 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 I think, though, Chris, in, in respect to what you, the point that you're trying to bring out, I think Edwards, because of that situation, yeah, as, as you say, they knew Morrow was being, you know, wasn't going to be available uh, for the first four games. But once right. they got a hold of Edwards, I believe Edwards is the guy that also could be activated. That that was, if you would ask me, that was the one. That's the one that I would say. Well, when you look at the other players they claimed, it was basically cornerbacks and centers. So, I mean, if you play the numbers right. game, Russ, there's no doubt about it. If they need an extra defensive lineman, the one guy you turn to is Mario Edwards Jr. You brought up, I think, an interesting point, Chris, with respect to Robert Thomas. Uh, I was personally surprised by that. I thought Robert Thomas had a really good preseason. I would even throw in A.J. Francis, who I was extremely high on as well. I thought he jumped out to me in terms of practices and preseason games, but they ultimately felt that there were other players that they wanted to go in that direction of, and Mario Edwards is a young guy. There's a reason why the Raiders drafted him high. Didn't work out in Oakland. Sometimes you change scenery, things click with a different scheme. I think that makes him an extremely intriguing player to watch. All right, Chris. Agreed. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it, it, Chris. Thanks Uh, for the phone uh, call. All right. Thank you again, folks. The number, as always, 201-939-4513 here on Big Blue Kickoff on Giants.com. And let me remind all of you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app right now to win amazing Giants prizes throughout the coming 2018 season. Uh, It was kind of interesting today, you know, having lunch there. I mean... There are a lot of faces. There are a lot of guys here trying out today. It's a, it is a busy day, uh, what is called an off day. I mean, the, the brass is busy assessing talent. Which is typical across the league, Russ. If you look throughout the course of a season, what they normally do is, on off days, front offices tend to bring in players who are out on the market. And it's not to say that a signing is imminent. And I'm talking in generic terms here. I'm not just talking necessarily something that's pertaining to the Giants. You always need to keep up to date with potential free agents because if guys go down and you don't necessarily want to call somebody up from the practice squad or it's a position you don't have a great deal of depth, you pick up the phone and maybe you call a guy that you worked out in week three and it's week seven. So this is normal routine. It's no different than what we've seen happen in previous campaigns. Yeah, it's... Look... We were talking about it earlier. This Gettleman and Shermer came in, and they didn't come in like, you know, quite frankly, wild cowboys. You know, there's a new sheriff in town and discarding anything from the past. I think you come in. You know what? It's what John Maris said way back, and everybody jumped on it to the point of idiocy when he said at 3-13, and 13, everybody it's open for any and every. Nobody's an untouchable. That was the term. As soon as he said that, Odell Beckham Jr. is on the market. We're talking <laughs> trade. Yeah, that, that's not the case. When, when you are three and thirteen, anything goes. So Gettleman came in. He got his coach. They made an assessment. Let, let me tell you what. One of the assessments. It wasn't a foregone conclusion, you know, in everybody else's mind because that's who we wanted, and I'm. We're all thrilled. 
and he certainly has looked good. We're thrilled that it's Eli Manning. What would have happened if Gettleman, trust me, if Gettleman and Sherman had decided he wasn't the guy, he wouldn't be the guy. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, they're going to make their evaluations based on what they saw over the course of the offseason. That's why, you know, I'm going to emphasize what I said earlier in the program again, Russ. If you watch four preseason games, not that that's not important, but it doesn't tell the whole story of what a player brings to the table. And whatever anybody did in previous seasons doesn't necessarily hold a great deal of weight and substance, to your point, because you're evaluating a 3-13 and team. And when John Mara spoke to the media, by the way, Russ, last week, he reemphasized, this was right after Odell Beckham signed the contract, he said, when I made that comment, and the media overreacted to that comment too, the reason why he made the comment was, why would you not listen to anything well, when your team has only won three games? Well, I think you're doing a disservice to your franchise if you're not at least keeping the door open just to hear things out. Well, that that, that goes in line to as soon as he was signed, as soon as Odell Beckham Jr. was signed, I was reading things again. Well, it just goes to show you when they were talking trade with the Rams back in so-and-so. Talk and trade with the Rams. If somebody comes to the Giants, hey, we're interested in old Dell Beckham Jr. We're interested in Eli. We're interested in this guy and that guy. All right, make me an offer. Let me hear what you That's not talk and trade. It's doing due diligence and listening to what any and everybody's got to say. That's all that was. So, you know, forget that business and people want to continue to... It's just like Matt Patricia, he was going to be the guy. And, and McDaniel was going to be the guy. Everybody had it going to be the guy, but they weren't the guys. You, you know, it, it just becomes too much. I, I mean, a lot had to be done. A lot had to be shaken up. And that's what happened. So now you got a new team, a new coach, a new general manager, and you have game one coming up this Sunday against the Jacksonville Jacksonville Jaguars over at the MetLife Stadium. Let's go to Brooklyn. Our neck there of the we woods. go. Look at that. Gus. The BK. What's up, Gus? What's going on, guys? How you doing, Gus? I'm hanging in. How are you guys doing? Good. We're hanging in there, too. Where, in, where in Brooklyn, Gus? I'm in uh, Bay Ridge. Bay Ridge. All right, buddy. Yeah. Um, actually, what I'm trying to think about is uh, the impact on if uh, Olivier Vernon doesn't play this week. You know, I know the, the game plan is let's stop the run, let's stop the run. But, you know, essentially, he's a huge factor on the edge besides just even rushing the pass and but stopping the run. You know, I think that we're kind of overlooking. I don't think he actually plays this week. I think the injury is much worse than we think. And I'm just wondering, you know, what our options are here. Well, let me just ask you this. I don't know. Why do you think the injury is much worse than we think? You know, he's had leg injuries in the past. I feel like, uh, you know, if it is somewhat of a high ankle sprain. It's I mean, not. It's not. That, it's not. The, the Giants are not lying. The, uh, Gus, the Giants aren't lying about that. It's not a high ankle sprain. It's a bruised ankle. There's a difference. I mean, if, okay. it, if it was a high ankle sprain, I'd be a lot more worried, not just about this week, but for coming weeks. But it's not a high ankle sprain. Okay, that's good. That's good. I still have a feeling that he's not going to play, or if he does, it's going to be very limited. Um, I just, I don't know. I think that uh, he hasn't recovered as quickly as we wanted to in the past. I know it's different injuries. Well, I mean, uh, keep in mind, you know, I, I had this conversation with a caller on previous shows. I think it was last week. Olivier Vernon's missed four games in his entire career, Gus. So, you know, w when we label players as they have trouble getting back, 
he had played every single game before last season, 2017. His first year with the Giants, 2016, he played all 16 games. So I don't know if I necessarily think it's a fair label to say Olivier Vernon has trouble recovering. We haven't seen the practice report. I think it's too early to tell. I think you do raise a good question, though. If Vernon doesn't play, who would the Giants turn to? And that's a fair conversation to have at this point. The last caller who brought up, they did claim Mario Edwards Jr. I think time will tell how quickly he becomes acclimated to the system. You know, Kerry Wynn is another player that I think would have a great opportunity. And, you know, Wynn had a very impressive preseason. I think we're all interested to see, does that translate to the regular season? If his number is called, you still have snacks on the field. And, you know, let's not forget, in their new 3-4 defensive scheme, you have defensive tackles that also are going to be moving to the outside, such as a Dalvin Tomlinson, who is very effective in stopping the run. So, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for him to aid in the pass rush department in addition to continuing his responsibilities on the outside, as well as B.J. Hill. You know, you've got a really strong front three that could stop the run across the board, in my mind, with all three of those guys. Lorenzo Carter and Kerry Wynn, to me, would be the two X-factors if Olivier Vernon doesn't play. Those would be the two guys that you expect to immediately step up and be productive. But you you know what, uh, Lance? Kerry Wynn always shows up big in in the preseason. And uh, to me, he's another guy that I I really like. Uh, Got to know him fairly well. I mean, it's almost like you're always waiting for him to make that leap to the next level. And coming off, this has probably been his best preseason. He's looked outstanding. He has. He's always, to me, jumped off the page. And in reality, in the preseason, Russ, what I think people need to understand is if you look at his defensive snaps, he had one season where he played 50% of the defensive snaps. And I'm not trying to sit here and make excuses as to why Kerry Wynn hasn't had that monster season. But if you're only playing, on average, 35% of the defensive snaps and JPP and Vernon are playing 90%, yeah, I mean, the numbers, they're going to be lopsided by default. So I think that's a reason why, you know, Kerry Wynn really hasn't had an opportunity to consistently put up numbers. But here would be a prime example where his number is called. And, you know, you're probably going to be throwing Lorenzo Carter into a baptism by fire situation if Vernon doesn't play, where they probably wanted to bring him along a little bit slower. But if Vernon can't go, you know, Carter would be the next guy up, especially as an edge rusher at the linebacker position. But ha- no, go- absolutely, absolutely. I just thought that, you know, what was, was, was interesting was, you know, in the third preseason game, which you feel like, okay, that's kind of a, a better reflection of maybe the, the, the roster that may start, right? I mean, they play a first half. I, I was not impressed with the rush defense at all against the Jets. I thought the Jets, um, I don't want to go as far as saying manhandled, but I thought that the rush defense – was not good at all and they kept them on their toes and that was their starting line so i just you know i know that the the first two preseason games we had a much better rush defense i'm just not high on the giants defense i think there's a lot of glaring holes um and you know i i really think that uh we i'm, I'm hoping i'm wrong i'm hoping i'm wrong but i'm just not high on the defense at well, all. well gus to your point thanks for the call uh, listen um, if, if vernon doesn't play you know, and that's how your call started, the impact. Obviously, his absence makes an impact. But, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with Gus that the defense... Well, look, everybody needs improvement off of last season, okay, on both sides of the ball. And and what was the word? I'm trying to remember the term that um, Dave Gettleman used. He, he likes the guys on both sides of the ball in the trenches to have... 
a bit of violence in them. You know, you know he was... Well, toughness, uh, I think, is yeah, what he was alluding no, to. It, yeah. But that's a violent place to live in the middle of the line. That's why he likes a guy like Will Hernandez. You know, let him rest in peace. The, former, the old, uh, late, great uh, George Young used to say about, in particular, the guys, uh, you know, linemen, it's a, it's a Spartan type, like a gladiator type yeah. mentality. And you can't, exp you know, those guys live, really, they beat each other up every day. It, it, it's a different existence. And you know what? Watching them walk around in a locker room, you see that they're, and they're, they're beaten up. You know, you, you got to have, you got to have that little bit of extra oomph in you to play that position. Well, Russ, you're taking a hit on every single play. Everything. Not every other player in the NFL can relate to it, that. It's not just a hit. It's a hit from somebody three plus pounds, three hundred pounds and the, up. The big boys, right in the middle. Yeah, that, that that is that is a that's not a hit, that's an avalanche coming at you. That's what it is. <laughs> well, that's, that's why he was referring to his offensive lineman. I don't know if this is the term that you were referring to, but as the hog mollies. Yes, yes. That's what Dave Gettleman considers his offensive lineman. He wants them to have presence. He wants them to have toughness. And that's exactly why they went to address that position. You know, one other thing I wanted to jump back to before we head back to the phone lines, Russ, and I think the last caller brought up a fair question. To me, the X factor of this season, if you look at this team as a whole, special teams, I think, has made significant strides. I've been extremely impressed with the special teams. You know, I'm not just talking about the return game. The coverage has been really impressive throughout the course of the preseason. The offense on paper, you know, we could sit here at nauseum going over all the names. We know that. The defense, it's fair to say, is is maybe that looming question mark and that difference-making facet that could be the difference between the team making or missing the playoffs. And the reason being is it's not that there's not potential. It's not that there's not upside, Russ. It's the fact that you have a number of young commodities on defense, meaning high draft profiles but not a lot of regular season reps, okay? So there's not a lot on the resume. And then you have some other players that are looking for second chances, looking to make statements. So when you combine all of that, yeah, the ceiling is through the roof, but it's show me time. I agree with you on everything you said. Uh, the only but that I have is, as much as the defense can be a question mark. Uh, and I like the signings on the offensive line. Uh, but I got to see it happen, you know, them together. You know, forget of course. The, the preseason. The offensive line... Sherman himself has said it. They're going to go as far as the offensive line. I don't know if the term is allows them to go or helps them to get there, but either way, the offensive line is crucial. I mean, and listen, Nate Sold has been made a captain. Uh, you got Will Hernandez, uh, Omame. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, a new center. Is it Jalapio, Jalapio? Jalapio, yes. It's, it's still a, yeah. uh, always seems to be a debate. You think things. Jalapeno, that's yeah, the yes. best way to remind no, yourself but, of but, the pronunciation. You're, talk, yeah. you're talking about, it's all new up front. Brand new. I mean, Flowers, as we mentioned, the only yeah. returning lineman, but he's switching positions. And he's switching positions. Going from so, the left to the right. So it, it's new all the way around. Well, what you just brought up, Russ, if I go back to last season, and you were to tell me, or you were to ask me, okay, what are the two areas that the Giants must seal up, must improve within, I'd say, the first quarter of the season to Im indicate that they can be a consistent team? It's real simple. They've got to be able to run the ball consistently. That's a reflection of the offensive line that you brought up. And then on the flip side, this is why I'm going back to the X factor of the defense. They have to be able to stop the run because the Giants struggled in that department last season. And when you struggle to stop the run— 
you have a hard time getting off the field on third down. And that's things that are synonymous with one another. So if the Giants stop the run, you're going to set up the opposition with third and longs, not third and manageables, which means now all of a sudden you get to pin your ears back and be aggressive and James Betcher can move personnel around and target the quarterback. So that's why as much as we want to talk about the offensive line, I agree. I mean, how the offensive line plays is going to dictate a lot, but let's not overlook the fact that if they don't stop the run, it really, at the end of the day, doesn't matter where they finish ranking in running the football because if you can't keep the defense off the field, time of possession is not necessarily going to be that huge of a disparity between your offense and your defense. Uh, one other, you know, we haven't touched on it. Somebody was, when we're talking about special teams, we've got people that have shown improvement in, in the preseason. You know who, to me, won his job because I think it was there for him to lose? Uh, Aldrick Roses. I, I mean... Let's, let's not make that a minor point because Roses was not coming off of a very impressive season. and Well, special teams overall, yeah, I would say. Yeah, and he really um, has been very, very impressive. It was perfect in the preseason. You know, Can't show, do with those field goals. Showing a strong leg, 55-yard, or it might have been his first kick. Uh, of, I mean, every time he you – know, it was almost as if – Sherman was putting him in position. I want to see just how strong this leg was, and he was showing it on on every example. I mean, I, I th- listen. He didn't come into camp as the guy. You know, go ahead, try and knock him off. I think he really had to uh, step up, and uh, he solidified himself. And so did Riley Dixon, the new punter too. Yeah, which uh, was also a big key that the Giants were focusing on this offseason. That's why, to me. I think the special teams overall, the kicking, the punting rust, the coverage. I mean, think about the opportunistic plays they made in the preseason, whether it be Kerry Wynn, whether it be Michael Thomas, whether it be Ray Ray Armstrong who made the team, who was impressive, you name it. You know, everybody put their stamp on special teams, and, you know, field position is so big. It goes without saying. If you want to take pressure off of your offense and to that point, if you want to take pressure off your defense, special teams can help immensely in that category. So, you know, that's something that they really need to build off of based on what we saw in the preseason. All right, so speaking of special teams, let's play a little guessing game here. Well, it, it's been intimated. I think I know where you're going, but yeah. let's hear it. Okay. Yes. Okay, not just, just Barkley, but we, we've heard Barkley and Odell. You know, they can uh, receive a, a kickoff, a punt. Your thoughts, will we ever see that happen? Well, I don't know how often we'll see it. I think there's a chance we could see Barkley and Beckham get opportunities. Not many, I would say, throughout the season, Russ. You know, I've had this debate on this program and elsewhere, too. The Steelers use Antonio Brown. Right. He's their main punt returner, Russ. Mike Tomlin, I don't think he's losing sleep over that. He knows he's his best option. He puts him out there. And, you know, the argument over the risk of injury, to me, is beating like a dead horse because— you could get hurt on any play. So I'm not necessarily looking to wrap these guys in bubble wrap and preserve them. I understand, though, you know, with Barkley being a rookie, if he gets 20 touches to my point the game, okay, you want to limit how many hits he takes. Beckham's coming off an injury. I get it. I understand maybe this season in particular why you want to be conservative. But if you remember, Russ, two seasons ago, the 11-5 and campaign, the yeah. Giants went to Cleveland, and Odell Beckham served as the main punt returner. He returned two for scores. Unfortunately, penalties right. wiped them out. He's that good. Blink of an eye, he can turn the page. So, yeah, I think you got to choose your points wisely when you want to throw him in, and I think that's what Pat Shermer will do. But 
if the Giants turned around, and this is my personal opinion, I'm not saying this is going to happen. If Pat Shermer woke up one day and said Odell Beckham is my main punt returner, I fully support that move. Yeah, and well, I think it would do wonders for the Giants. But here's, in the world that we live in, in the world of the media and on social media and all that nonsense, here's the deal. If you go ahead and put him in that position and God forbid, not well, just him or the debate, yeah. th- th- then it's just let's beat the person up, beat the team up. How can it be so stupid? I'll tell you, you, you just brought out an interesting point. After it was announced that he had signed his, nine, Odell signed his $95 million contract, I saw him in the dining room. He comes up to me, hey, how you doing? We're talking. So, so, he asked him for some money? So I, uh, no, I, I, I said to him, you know, he drives this, he's got this souped up Mercedes and he's got this uh, white rolls with the, the, the pink gold uh, rims and, and it's like from outer space. <laughs> and, and I said to him, you know, I'm really happy for you. Now you can dump that piece of crap that you're driving and get yourself a new <laughs> set of wheels. So he was laughing. Yeah. So he said to me though, but let me ask you a question. You, you think a coach is going to play me? He was talking about uh, the last preseason game. So I looked at him and I said, are you nuts? <laughs> so he looked at me, he goes like this, he in dead, dead, dead serious. Why? I said, Othell, you just signed a $95 million contract. Do, do you think anybody wants to, you to get hurt against the New England Patriots? And his answer to me was, yeah, but you can get hurt anytime. And he's right though, And, and you know what? That told me something about him his desire, and he's anxious to play. He said to me, I-, I can get hurt tomorrow in practice. He was dead serious about it. He wants to play. And you know what? It is football, and anything can happen. So it, I-, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. If, if somebody was going to tell me Barkley or, or Odell were, were returning this or returning that, God bless. I am not going to sneeze on it. I remember when, oh, I'm just drawing a blank. The defensive back... Oh, my goodness. From USC. Terrell Thomas. No, 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 no. no. Going back. Oh, going way back. Okay. Who's married to the actress? Jason Seahorn. Jason Seahorn. Remember when he got hurt uh, on on a kickoff return? Everybody wanted to kill the Giant. I mean, it's football. It's football. That's what it is. You're 100% right on that. I wouldn't have any problem with it whatsoever. That's always been my philosophy, Russ. Odell Beckham got hurt, I mean, in a regular season game, but... He got hurt on just a random play. It wasn't anything special. It was them trying to drive, and unfortunately, ankle went down the wrong way. So you can't predict injuries. You just got to go out there. And you know what? From a player's perspective, that's why I respect what Odell Beckham said, Russ, because the minute you start overthinking about injuries, and even Odell Beckham mentioned this throughout the rehab process, you're putting yourself in danger when you go out there in a game and you're overthinking things. Do I want to plant my foot this way? That's a no-no. You should not be on the field well, if you're you, thinking you, like that. You, you can't. You can't play scared. No. Uh, not not yeah. just in football. The minute you're playing scared, it's time to get off. Absolutely. You, you, you will not succeed. You, you will. In fact, that's when you're going to get hurt. You, 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 you can't be a nervous Nelly when you're doing that. So let, let me ask you this. It is a new team. They're coming off a 3-13 and 13 record. It has certainly been a love affair for uh, Pat Shermer as well as, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman. Uh the love affair can end in a finger snap with a couple of losses. Because it's, you know, a new group, and you, because you're coming off at 3-13, and 13, and it's still fresh in the minds of the fans, even though they're enthused, how important is it for this edition, this 2018 edition of the Giants, 
to get off to a fast start. Well, I think you can make the case for any team, Russ. I mean, you want to be able to set the tone early. It's a tough schedule. I mean, Boy, let's not, I, I'll tell you what. Let's not dance well, around well, that. Let, They're going to be challenged okay, right from so, the start. So, so let me ask you this. You, you're starting off, you know, as, as all coaches like to do, you do it, they divide the season in quarters and Correct. assess yep. after each quarter. So your first quarter is Jacksonville at home, at Dallas, at Houston, at home to New Orleans. None of those are a walk in the park. No. What, what are you happy with after four games? Well, I think if the Giants could get to two and two, I, I think that is a reasonable expectation. And I think if you're the coaching staff, you get 500 even after the first four games. That, I think, is a reasonable target. You get to three and one, icing on the cake, and four and oh, certainly you're going to sit back and feel really good about yourself. But if you walk away with two out of the four, I mean, I think that's a big step in the right direction. Notice, though, let's take it a step further, though, Russ, with respect to the early schedule. Jacksonville, Blake Bortles, mobile quarterback. Houston, Deshaun Watson, mobile quarterback. Dak Prescott, mobile quarterback with the Cowboys. Okay, Drew Brees, not necessarily mobile, but certainly has a cannon of an arm. So we'll remove the Saints. That means the defense is going to be tested with all of those three first opponents in terms of being well-disciplined. Because if you do not have your lanes and you do not have your assignments down packed, that's when all of a sudden it gets into dangerous territory. That's why I think this is a really good test for the offense based on what they're going to see with respect to the mobility of the quarterbacks, the type of pressure the defense is going to see. And if the offense can put up points early, that I think makes the defense that much more comfortable in the early stages of the season. Speaking, you know, we haven't really touched on him. He's, you know, coming off the concussion. I don't see any problem with Evan Ingram this coming week. I, I think he should be sound and ready to go. Well, Pat Shermer said he was moving around. He's still in protocol, though, because it's a lengthy process. But I think the signs were encouraging based on what Pat Shermer indicated when he spoke to the media yesterday. So hopefully he'll be ready to suit up because they're certainly going to need him. To, to be frank with you, when he went down, and I don't want to minimize a concussion, okay, because they can certainly linger. But when he went down, I thought it was worse than a concussion. I, I thought it was his shoulder or his neck because he – It I was mean, a sandwich. He, he, and, he, and he was down, and he looked like he was in pain. It just – I mean, I, to me it was thank goodness that he was okay because – like, there's a guy who, I mean, he to me, he's also on the verge of big-time stardom. I, I think... Oh, I think he, he's going to have a breakout yeah, here. I, I yeah, think I'm he, with you. I, I, you know, we keep talking about old Dell Beckham Jr., and rightfully so. I mean, if he's not the best, he's certainly, you know, in the discussion for one of the best receivers in the league. But uh, between Ingram and uh, Sterling Shepard, who has looked terrific uh, in practice and in games, I, I, I just think... That is a dynamic group right there. That is a very dynamic receiving core. I mean, I know Ingram's the tight end, but he, he what, what's the term? Like sometimes in basketball, like, like he's a tweener. Well, because he could play wide receiver yes. and he could play tight end, which we saw last season. So tweener, I think, is a very appropriate term, which makes him extremely versatile. Yeah, he, he, he kind of reminds me, remember guy for the J J Jerome Barkham? He 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 kind of reminds me of or Richard Castor going back away, uh, back a ways. You know they they were tight ends and and uh, he can um, 
I think he's a dynamic player. I mean, he, he's, he's made it the right stuff. But anyway, we're getting, re getting ready to wrap things up. I want to thank all of you for being part of Big Blue Kickoff here on Giants.com. Remember, as always, folks, the number is 201-939-4513. And don't forget, we want to remind each and every one of you that Big Blue Kickoff Live here is presented to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to win yourself amazing Giants prizes throughout the coming season. And the coming season is about to get underway against the Jacksonville Jaguars this Sunday over at MetLife Stadium. For Lance Meadow, I'm Russ Salzberg. Have yourselves a great day, and we will see you next time right here on Big Blue Kickoff on Giants.com. Have a good one.